Americana in the 20th century could be defined by the suburbs. Quiet lives, PTA meetings, and a television in every household. Life had become reliably predictable. But with that came dreams of the wild frontier, horses, cowboys, and adventures hiding around every corner. So it should be no surprise that Walt took this trend and used it to put even more trains in his park. This week on Slice of Disney, everything that came before Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I am your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney-goer and real-life guy who's at the point of the pandemic when he to where he cries at uh, advertisements. <laughs> there's, a, there's an extra gum uh, commercial that came out, and it's about getting out of the pandemic, and I, it makes me cry every time I look at it. Which part made you cry? Well, it's, I mean, a lot of it is very emotional and touching, and maybe we'll even throw a link in the show notes. Um, But there's a part where um, an actress, well, uh, an actress is on Zoom, and it's like everyone is leaving the Zoom because everybody gets to go out and be free again. And it's like her office, and she just has this like moment of emotional release. And it's uh, just like, I'm like, oh, I've been on Zoom so much this past year. (laughs) It feels so good. So, uh, but. That does take us to some Disney news. Whoa, some crazy Disney news. So as we're recording this, it was today was actually the first day that guests could enter Disney World without masks on outside. Pretty wild. I don't know how I feel. Like, I will say when the CDC was like, hey, you know, vaccinated people don't have to wear masks indoors. I was like, okay, I'll probably still wear my mask. But this gives me like, oh, I'm good. Like, I don't have to stress it. Like, I'm living my life. Yeah. It feels good. But just, I don't know. I'm nervous. Because I'm going. You know that? I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if our listeners do, but you are going in the yes. next couple of weeks. So I'm going in a couple of weeks. Um, we're, I am going with the big family. My aunt is even coming. I know, it's very exciting. But because of all these restrictions, it's weird because like sometimes we have to break the group up into two. Because there's so many people. Oh. Because we're oh, just a big family. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, really excited. And it will feel nice to put, you know, to not have a mask on all the time. To be able to walk and, you know, have a drink or eat something and feel okay. <laughs> but it means I have to put makeup on again. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> it does mean, though, that like, you know, I'm not sure if our listeners here know that on our Instagram and your TikTok, been doing some fun little like uh, Disneyland videos and stuff. Yeah. And now you can do them without your mask on. Right. In Disney World, I'll be able to. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with that. I love getting to share all these random little tidbits. So please go check them out. Um, if there's anything that you want to know about Disney, message us and I will make sure to make a video on it. Um <laughs> My, I have two friends that just went, and they they like Disney, you know, but they may, maybe not as much as some people on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> they're probably like a will. Okay. Uh, and I was like, uh, not let's let's not get carried away. They, <laughs> they've been this year, so they therefore have. they're not quite like me. That's true. Um, I was like. They were like, hey, like, do you have any recommendations and stuff? And I was like, okay, how much do you want? <laughs> and part of me was tempted to like text them a random fact every hour. Like, well, if you look over here, like. <laughs> of course. 
Uh, well, if you want to subscribe to Slice of Disney Facts, text. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a number set up yet. But yeah, I've had a lot of fun getting to go and make these videos and show you some of these random, really like hidden things. Yeah. I'm I'm going again on Monday. <laughs> so I'm going to make <laughs> so some. So maybe some more then. I'm going to make more. Good, good, good. Yeah, I think it's cool because obviously like we're, we're an audio uh, medium uh, on this podcast. And so... You know, we talk about a lot of the hidden Mickeys and stuff, but at a certain point, you can't quite see those. And so this is a good way for you to be like, if you look over here, here's one of the Easter eggs that you might not know about. And so I I think they're very fun and they're short. So check them out. Yeah. I tried to paint a visual with my voice, but sometimes the words just aren't enough. Yes. I'm in a silly mood today. Uh, I'm just so excited. It's so, I, I'm really excited to do this one. Um, you know, we had some really cool interviews. We had a catching up episode. So now we're getting back to my favorite, where I get to nerd out and Will has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's also standing and I'm sitting and it feels like he's my teacher or something. <laughs> Uh, little little known fact, this is how I like to DM when I am playing D&D. Oh. It gives me good control of the table. Mm. Uh, a little bit that's lost um, when doing it over Zoom. Uh, but, you know, so if I seem more in control of this conversation, uh, <laughs> you're probably <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a big episode on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Got into the history. We got into the, all the crazy storylines that make this ride what it is and again i went on it in both now disney world and disneyland and i'm struggling to find some of the storyline um tidbits where i felt like when i went on um guardians oh my god i was like oh i get the story now it's like crystal clear interesting after doing this episode um or doing the episode on guardians of the galaxy so it it was very helpful right um but Big Thunder's a little tricky. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't been on it since. But but I think one of the things that's fun about it is, like, we we, we teased it in the first episode. But, like, there was so much um, thought and development that came before Big Thunder became Big Thunder. Uh, before we had the little imagineering infighting that ultimately led to the, uh, the roller coaster as it is. Um, and that's what we're going to get into today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the development side. I love these OG Imagineers. So kind of to help, I thought, you know, we mention these names a lot, especially these beginner, you know, these 50s, 60s, when WED was becoming a thing. Um, we mentioned these names a lot, but I wanted to kind of give like a cheat sheet. A little a little Imagineer cheat sheet. Um, yes. Um, so the names we're going to mention today are Claude Coates. You've heard him mentioned when we've talked about the Haunted Mansion. Uh, we've mentioned him on Pirates of the Caribbean, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Snow White's Scary Adventures. We haven't done that yet. Um, he's done a lot. And he was also a part of making the Magic Skyway, which is those sky buckets that would go around Matterhorn that don't exist anymore. Um, he did the 1964-1965 World's Fair, Carousel of Progress, It's a Small World. He, a lot of those. Disney um, legend. Disney legend. So... Very cool. Um, Then we have Mark Davis, who I consider to be one of like the original original, like one of the first people Walt hired um, as to be to join Wed and take him away from um, become, you know, from animation, though, something we haven't really gotten to mention about him um, because he did do uh, Jungle Cruise, Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, Tiki Room, It's a Small World. But before then, he was, you know, big animator. He did Tinkerbell. 
He did Maleficent. He did Corella Deville. He created these really iconic women, mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool. That is cool. Yeah, I like. I didn't. I didn't know that until you just mentioned it. So yes. that's that's very cool. And we did talk about him a little bit in the first episode where he yeah. kind of had this big idea for this really big frontier land attraction, Thunder Mesa, I think. And yes. then um, and then they just couldn't do it. And then our guy Tony Baxter, hey. look at me remembering names. I'm proud of you. Uh, came <laughs> and- in and was like, "I got marble shoots. Can we make a roller coaster?" I was like, "Yep." They're like, then Mark's like, no, you don't take my ideas away. Apparently, though, too, like Mark Davis was kind of a ladies' man. Okay, I see where those uh, those villainous women came I from. I love it. Tinkerbell, he drew me. All right, I love it. Weird. <laughs> um, and then another name we're going to mention is John Hench. John Hench seemed like he had his hands a little bit of everywhere all over Disney, sticking with the animation side, doing Dumbo, Peter Pan. Um, he did the effects for The Living Desert, which was a show different than what the desert we're going to talk about on here, but definitely right. inspired by. And um, he worked on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. But then he started joining Walt with doing stuff in the parks. He worked at Disney, if I recall correctly, until the day he died in his 90s. Wow. He can he he never retired and he worked on Disneyland, Animal Kingdom, California Adventure, Tokyo Sea. I mean, he's got his hands in everything. That's impressive. Yeah. So, we those are our big names for today um that we're going to talk about as we go through how Big Thunder Mountain Railroad came. Yeah. While this ride in the wilderness before this- before it was there. <laughs> You go for it. You can, you can the say. The wildest ride in the wilderness. There we go. There we go. So we kind of teased it in the intro a little bit that in the beginning, um, this is like a lot, like a lot of other rides of Disneyland. The idea came about at the beginning of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, the 50s was a time of nostalgic for this, for the Wild West and, you know, cowboys and all this crazy stuff adventures and stuff and um i guess it's because america had just come out of two wars television and radio were becoming a very big mainstream thing and so people were were craving the past they were becoming very nostalgic for the wild west and walt played into that um he also felt that way and um they did movies like disney's davy crockett and then their version of zorro furthering people's love of this time period so Walt just decided he was going to go hard into the Wild West. And so that's why Frontierland, I don't know if this is exactly why, but I'm going to say that's why. Um, Frontierland was the biggest land of all the parks. It was taking up a third of the 60 acres. Wow. Yeah. I didn't it was that much. That's that's interesting. I think one of the things that's most fascinating about this to me is like, to, uh, this is probably going to be blasphemy to other Disney fans. And so I apologize. <laughs> but again, I'm the casual one. Um, I don't think about Frontierland much at all when I when I go to the parks. It's like never a big focus for me. I I will walk through it to get to other things, and that's not to say that it's not great. Uh, it's just like it's just not a thing I really think about that much. And to think about back seventy years ago, right, where it was like this is so like this is it. This is the thing everyone loves. Is like really interesting to think about how things have changed. I yeah. I'll be honest, I kind of agree with you a little bit. It's usually just how where I have to walk to get to New Orleans Square to get to Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how my brain works. Um, and 
nowadays I feel like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad's like the only big stop there besides oh, some 100%. food stops. Yeah. With that said, back then, even though it was the biggest land, the Mark Twain Riverboat was the only mechanical ride in Frontierland. So, and it's the riverboat that you still see that, you know, goes on the rivers of America, um, that big, that huge, um, that huge paddle wheeler. Yeah, I actually didn't know that that's what that was. That's cool that it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the only mechanical ride in this area because Disneyland was built on such a small budget. So even though it was like this land that like Walt was really passionate and cared about, it was pretty empty, you know, like. You know, I, I did wonder, I was like, maybe the temptation there was like, we should really lean into the Wild West side of it because like, we are, we already open, live open plains. And yeah. <laughs> that means they're not to put anything in it. <laughs> so. I, I think that that's definitely um, an element there. Uh-huh. I, if I can paint a picture for you, it's like, as we've walked through other parts of Disney and what Disneyland looked like in the 50s. That part was just this really open area. Mm. And yes, most of that one third of the 60 acres was taken up by the river. Um, and water's expensive. So already yeah. having that is a big deal. And around it was just a lot of brown, you know, a lot of desert. Yeah. So but with that said, it w- and it was a very relaxing area. Um, it was, you know, something Walt was really passionate about. It's They say it's his favorite area, but I feel like everything is Walt's favorite, so it's really hard. Yeah, it's sometimes it's hard to do this podcast because it's like, and Walt's favorite <laughs> thing is this, and like he, he cared more about this ride than any other ride, and it's like, okay. The only thing that I know for sure is Walt loved trains. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so because, you know, there wasn't as much going on in Frontierland, Walt's like, I need to do something. He always wanted to do more, but with this specifically, he really wanted to do something bigger. And there was a little theme park, a little amusement park, down the road, actually, from Disney. He's still there. Um, And it was a theme park at a farm owned by Walter Knott, who was a really good friend of Disney's. And uh, it was, I think this is interesting, it was well known for being the first place to grow commercially boysenberries. That is interesting. I don't know what a boysenberry is, but I do know, I have heard of Knott's Berry Farm, which is what this is. Uh, I think it's fun. Um, in the spooky season, uh, it turns into Not Scary Farm, which I'm like, that's just perfect. Not Scary Farm is awesome. I haven't been to either of them. Um, <laughs> but it's that was there during the development of, of this ride, too. So Yeah, I, I didn't realize um, that they were kind of coming up together there. Um, but Walt went over to Not Scary Farms, and he, he really enjoyed it. And Walter Not had actually taken a actual ghost town and just relocated it to his park. So it's great. authentic, yeah. which is wild. And um, it was becoming really, really popular as that nostalgia was, you know, kicking. Uh, so Walt was like, you know what? I love this so much. I'm actually going to take some of your ideas. So what, two of the attractions that they had at Knott's Berry was a pack mule ride and a stagecoach ride. So he said, yeah, I'm just going to replicate these and bring them over to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, kind of a jerk move there, Walt. But, you know, whatever. It's a very Michael Eisner move, if you ask me. Okay. Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't hate on Michael Eisner so much. (laughs) Oh, can I tell you something about Walt? Yeah. Okay. So um, my friends are, like, into these, like, Briggs tests, the personality tests. Myers-Briggs, yeah. Yeah, the Myers-Briggs test. And so I did mine. And I have the same as Walt Disney. Wow. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know. (laughs) You love it. I'm... (laughs) I'm just, I don't know. I'm upset. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it's great. I'm uh, glad you do. No, I mean, that's good. That's cool. Interesting. Very fun and um, very cool. And I'm glad that it won't go to your head at all. It won't at all. So anyways, about me and Walt. Uh, <laughs> Best friends. Best friends forever. Um, so the Imagineers uh, decided, yeah, we're, we'll take these attractions. We'll put them in our parks. But because, you know, Disneyland is all scaled, they had to so that everything looks bigger you know, we've talked about on Main Street, the second floor is actually shorter and, it, you know, all to the the way that they did the castle, all of that. So Frontierland was no different. So in order to make this all look real still, they had to scale everything down by five eighths. So the stagecoach couldn't be an actual the same size. So they couldn't have real horses. They had to have little Shetland ponies. That sounds cute. I know. Um, but the pack mules could be real sized because pack mules are tiny. I didn't know, honestly. Your mom never said she's a pack mule? No. Oh, my poor mom. Did your mom, mom say that a lot? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Carol. <laughs> because she has to carry a lot of things. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good thing. I'll, I'll remember it and use it myself. Yeah, I do feel like a pack mule when I go to Disneyland sometimes because I bring so many things. I would get the, uh, the closest I would get to that is when I would like leave the door open and my parents would be like, you think we live in a barn? <laughs> Close the door. All right. But no pack mule references. Well, don't worry. All the animals were taken really good care of, supposedly. Um, they had like a. We don't have any way to verify that. Well, you can see if there are maps where you can see like this huge barn area, okay. and then when and it was like behind Main Street, and then they moved it behind Frontierland. So and okay. they were big. I believe that Disney probably takes good care of their animals. Um, I hope. If we learned anything from Rachel, I have faith they take great care of their animals. So, anyways, even with these new attractions, Walt still felt like. It was barely landscaped. That frontier line still needed more. So he got together with Imagineer John Hench, the one who worked there forever and and had his hands in everything. And they came up with a mineshaft ride. They quickly put together a little sketch, which I feel like happens with Walt a lot and his Imagineers. Like it happens on a napkin or a small piece of paper. Like they just come up with an idea and then it comes to brilliance. Um, That's fun. I mean, that's, that's, that's a romantic notion. Yeah. It seems like it happens, you know, a fair amount. And Walt wanted this mineshaft ride to be something, well, let's call it what it is. It's going to be a train. You know, <laughs> we know he wants a train. He loves trains so much. Any excuse to get it in the park. Sure. Um, and then he wanted it to be like Jungle Cruise, where it was going to be a very slow-paced ride, very educational, about nature. And maybe there's like a conductor up front and there's an engine and it pulls around some other things. And uh, yeah, it's a train. <laughs> yes. So these trains, though, were going to be a seven car miniature train that would just, you know, carry the guests through the scenery of the desert environment. And then the interesting part to me is that I feel like Walt was like very specific about wanting things to look perfect, whether it needed to be scaled properly or like this needs to work authentically to whatever it is and I felt like the Imagineers when you like you know we talked about like Joe Rohde and him creating Animal Kingdom and them going and traveling the world and getting all these things you know all these authentic pieces um I feel like Walt seems like he was into that but this train was going to be different it was not going to be an authentic steam engine train um they decided that that was going to be 
too hard to maintain, so they get our boy Bob Gurr, who I forgot that there's another Imagineer name for you. Bob Gurr um, invented, he's like the automobile guy, so he did Autopia, um, and he did our Doom buggies, and pretty much any moving thing. He did uh, the bobsleds for the Matterhorn. Nice. And um, so he he came up with an electric train because that was going to be more cost effective and better for the environment since we're talking about the environment on this ride. And uh, they were going to use batteries um, to operate these vehicles. Okay, this is like the coolest thing ever. Are you ready? So they were forklift batteries and these batteries were only expected to work for one year. And the company called after a year and asked, do you need more? And Disney's like, no, 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 they're still good. They're still working great. They're like, oh, okay. Great. A little surprising, but great. Then two and a half years later, the manufacturing company called again and was like, okay, clearly, you know, you switched to a new manufacturer. Um, well, like, what are you using? Why didn't you stick with us? And they're like, no, no, no. Ours are still working perfectly fine. And they're like, what? That's <laughs> impossible. We make these and that doesn't happen. So to jump back, the ride opened July 2nd, 1956. By July... Uh, 1959, the manufacturers were so amazed that they still didn't need to be replaced. They sent reps out to figure out what they were doing. And apparently what they would do is just like run the battery until it was in the red and then charge it. And like the way that they were charging them was so efficient. They didn't need new ones. I'm a, I'm a very split mind on this fact. Um, on the one part, I think that's in, uh, the kind of fact that only you really care about. <laughs> on the other side, I'm like, well, in uh, according to tradition... Hanukkah is oil that lasted eight nights and it wasn't supposed to. There you go. So in a way, uh, kind of impressive. This is a miracle of batteries. Yeah. So uh, my dad will care because he works in batteries. To be fair, it's uh, <laughs> your description of it is actually a little more interesting than what I thought it was going to be. Hey, so, wow! I got a compliment today. It's the. It's probably going to freeze in Los Angeles. Okay. That was not a compliment. <laughs> it was a little more interesting. You need to step up with your compliment game. I, I take it as a compliment. Um, so these battery-powered mine train vehicles uh, are a ride called Rainbow Caverns Mine Train. And that it, I told you it opened July 2nd, 1956. Um, and it was part of the Living Desert. The Living Desert was inspired by that show that we talked about Um that was on television and it was educational. And so this was just taking that and visually being able to see that desert. Um, yeah, this, this, the, we'll talk about what it is, but to me, like when I'm, when I'm learning about what this ride looks like, this living desert, it kind of reminds me, honestly, a little bit of Haunted Mansion, which is like you're going through an environment, obviously not as uh, exciting um, as, as Haunted Mansion, but, um, but you're going through an environment and you're like, experiencing the cool little things that you might like oh look there's a thing there's a thing there's a big thing oh there's did you see that small thing that's what this feels like to me yeah i think that's accurate and it was it's fun if you watch videos of this attraction um one obviously the videos are a mix of things the the ride closed in the 70s yeah i I didn't know there were videos to be honest well spoiler alert it becomes big thunder so eventually it closes um but like seeing some of this you know it's not like people had cameras and their phones and it was that easily. So it's like really you could see people taking it in more. And even though to us now it might not be as interesting, it seems like it was super old. This was a, an, a hit when it first opened. It was a huge hit. It was actually, um, you know how the tickets originally you would pay for like e-ticket attraction and then um, 
depending on how exciting the attraction was, you got a certain amount on your ticket. So this was considered like a big attraction. Yes. It did get demoted to D um, later. But it was an E at one point? It was. Interesting. It was actually the biggest attraction, the biggest hit in the park. Um, And this attraction only cost $400,000. Okay. Interesting. A little bit, though. Uh, While that number seems very low, um, putting it into a uh, calculator online, that tells me that in 1950, $400,000 now would be $4.4 million. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's uh, a good amount. Big, big inflation, guys. Yeah, yeah. What Man. are you going to do about it? Yeah, I wonder what it would cost in Bitcoin. So this attraction, the original version, you would kind of, you would start in the town of Rainbow Ridge, and it was a, it was all, you know, facades of uh, uh, old west town, and it was in, done in that five eight scale, and then as it would go up this mountain to make this town look really big, the houses would get smaller. But one thing that's really funny is that they would have a lot of actors, uh, you know, maybe like a robber and a sheriff, like chasing like through the town. But they would get to the top, and you were like, "That man is three times the size of that house." <laughs> that giant robber. Yeah, like <laughs> I, th- uh, I would honestly would really enjoy that kind of. Um, ride slash spectacle in like today's parks. Oh, yeah. it'd be so silly, but also like fun. Well, that's one of the things about the great movie ride. Uh, we'll do an episode on it. I, uh, it's That one's going to have a lot of feelings. Um, but, you know, part of it is with that ride, it's you have a host the whole time, uh, a narrator who's live talking you through it. And then at one point, you know, you have like a very like Bugsy Malone, like wise guy, yeah. you know, and you have a little shootout. Um, and you, you have these interactive experiences with these actors and it's almost like they're really bad on purpose where it's like, Hey, like, like, you know, like one of the lines that the host would be like, when you go to the wizard of Oz room is like, uh, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. And you're like, the way she says it, you're like, Oh, okay. Great. I'm into that. It, I, that is a hundred percent my humor. I think you would really the dumbest, love it. Most subversive. Like, yeah, that I love it. I like those kind of things. I also just love anytime you're going to pay a live actor. So sure, <laughs> I'm, I love sure. stuff like that. So in the beginning, you would be going through this town. And if you listened closely, you would be able to hear like, you know, some people and some, you know, hustle and bustle within the walls. Um, and then you were going to enter this um, beautiful desert area. You're going to have these cacti. Some are just regular cacti. Some are like hitchhikers. You know, some get a little personality out there. Okay. Um, and then like you're going to hitchhiking go, ghosts. It, exactly, except for hitchhiking cacti. I right. choose the ghosts. Um, then you have balancing rocks, um, which they you're kind of going between these two rock formations, and the rocks are kind of like spinning on top, and it looks like they're going to fall on you. Um, and then you would end up in the beautiful rainbow caverns. So you would go through and you would see like stalagmites and stalactites. Then you would see some waterfalls and some pools of water. And all of the water was colored. It was like brightly glowing. And um, there's, you know, some soft music to add to the ambiance of the Rainbow Caverns. And um, it, it was, though the cave was actually small, the Imagineers did a really good job of making this feel like a really grand big cave yeah that's the part that seems the coolest to me i i I can take or leave uh strolling through the desert and seeing cacti with personality but like (laughs) i love a rainbow cave seems cool i agree though there are some funny parts like 
these rock formations, they had a Disney rock expert. Did you know there's a Disney rock expert? I did not. His name is uh, Rob Gerger, but I just thought it was really crazy that they even had one. Like, that of course funny. they do. Yeah. Um, so he made sure that these rocks looked accurate. Do you think he would have preferred to be called a geologist? Disney's geologist? Yeah, I feel like it's better than rock expert. I don't know. The internet said rock expert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying by us. I'm just saying in general. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's like insulting. Like, yeah, yeah. instead of like, like on Friends, like Ross, you know, it's like dinosaur expert. You're like, no. Yeah. He's like, I'm Dr. Geller. Yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, while all this is going on, as part of the living desert, since this was all kind of like one area and this was just the main attraction that went through that area, the stagecoaches and the pack mules were going through this as well. So like everything, like as you would like ride the train, there's a part where there is a bridge and it's supposed to be like a natural looking bridge mm-hmm. um, where the pack mules go over you. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's all kind of interactive, which I think is cool, having like multiple rides going at once. I feel like the only time you really get that now is the people, the people mover. Yeah, I, I do feel like they tried to, I feel like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad um, it tries to capture some of that where you I have agree. like you have carts going by each other and they they try to keep that sort of like aesthetic of like we're in the we're in the desert and there's things it's all yeah yeah it's all looking beautiful spiritual successor hey successor. hey um so back in that beautiful spiritual cave um so the way that they did this because even though right now making water glow would be the very easy thing at the time in the 50s not so much so claude coates was in charge of coming up with how to paint 22 water sculptures and these beautiful scenes and how to make them glow and it was really hard like they they struggled with this so they came up with using this like chalk this you know that somehow didn't go bad in blacklight because blacklight too you have to like that was a new thing blacklights you hate me. loving listening to you explain this <laughs> <laughs> right now oh obviously it'd be real easy for people to figure out how to make a uh, water glow but back then very difficult they had to use i uh, honestly i don't know <laughs> it seems like it'd be hard now too <laughs> yeah okay yeah, it's fair. chalk i don't know it doesn't go away eh. as a you know a non-imagineer mm-hmm. i'm like i don't know it all seems hard but <laughs> i because there was also like they had to use this like because there was like this really big waterfall that would come down and they wanted all six colors to become streaming down this big waterfall. That's cool. It is, but they were like, oh no, if it splashes at the bottom, it's just going to become this gray icky mess that's going to splash on our guests. How do we prevent that? So they had to come up with this like weird mesh contraption that the black lights wouldn't show and would keep the splashage down and also be able to separate the colors. Um, interesting. I, I do feel like uh, it is in the notes of six different colored streams as well. Uh, Roy G. Biv, that's uh, seven. That's rude. They yeah. left a color out. I bet it's indigo. No, I bet it's, they left indigo. I, I don't think so. That's the one that's so close to purple. I think you just kind of like... Mm, you leave, you, you you leave kinda violet? Like, ah. Yeah. So, You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. Uh, this is very important. That's back in the 1950s. They didn't have they indigo didn't, yet. <laughs> They didn't have Roy G. Biv yet. <laughs> they, hadn't figured, they hadn't figured out how to do indigo. So. <laughs> back when the ancient settlers came and made <laughs> Disneyland in the 1700s. You know, one of the things people don't talk about enough is that Walt loved purple. <laughs> <laughs> I we do. are off track. I'm I, so sorry. I know. Part of me wish we, if we didn't name the podcast Slice of Disney... Because I love pizza. So if anyone's new to listening, it's called Slice of Disney because I always ate pizza at the parks and I would yep. carry a box around. Um, the end. Uh, but it, it would be called Walt Loved. Yeah. And, uh, It'd be great because every episode would be like, Walt loved blank. Walt loved blank. 
you know, title of episode. Walt loved money. Um, yeah, that's just be every episode <laughs> be that. Um, so they made this beautiful thing. Uh, Claude, then Claude went, because um, Claude and John Hench came up with this mesh. Very important. Um, it was a special kind of mesh. It was a thin fiber material that had not been made before. So these Imagineers, they're coming through. Um, then you would exit the mine train and you would visit Mineral Hall right next door and you would look at these ordinary looking rocks at Mineral Hall. But then the room darkens and the rocks glow mysteriously with different colors and the magic of blacklight. Told you, that blacklight, very you important. You did tell me. Um, this ride was so successful. Like people loved it. But well, they were start- I'm sure it was successful. It was competing against things, as we remember, at like the opening of the parks, which was like storybook canal boats, where it was like mostly mud. <laughs> so like, you know. They were just excited to have something that was a right. functioning ride. Right. Um, it, it was successful, but people were starting to find it short and boring. It wasn't a very long ride. And you know, Walt, he's never happy. So in 1960, Walt was able to invest $1.8 million into an expansion and revision of the mine train. How much is that today, Will? Thank you for asking, Kelly. In today's dollars, uh, it is $16 million. Wow. Yeah, so big, big upgrade. Big upgrade. Wow, that's a lot for an expansion. Um, so this new attraction was going to be called Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland. And it opened June 12th, 1960. Walt decided to put Mark Davis, the one who... Thunder you know, Mesa, ladies' man. Thunder, ladies' man... Uh, rival of Tony Baxter. He is, and now it makes more sense. He put Mark Davis in charge of this attraction because he really felt like Mark had this art style and humor that people would really enjoy. Now I understand why Mark was so bitter because like this is his baby. Yeah. You know, he this was his child. So what he did is uh, in order to expand, they had to get rid of the stagecoach. So they were able to leave the pack mules, but they did get rid of the stagecoach ride. And then Mark was able to build this landscape of the new ride. He repurposed some of the original animatronics and stuff. He didn't completely get rid of everything. Um, I This is this is a, a little snippet of Mark Davis's humor. So there was before two foxes on either side of the track that were just like chilling. And he was like, no, I have an idea. We're going to put the foxes next to each other. And then one, because one of the fox animatronics heads went up and down and the other one went side to side. Now it looked like they were having a disagreement. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am glad you flagged that because when looking at the notes, uh, I definitely thought it was very funny. It was like, uh, Walt thought he had great sense of humor. And then it goes immediately to like, and Mark made them disagree. And I was like, oh, God, hilarious. <laughs> Hilarity ensued, you see? <laughs> oh, man. 1950s. Uh, different I guess time? 60s at this point. But yeah, just diff- different comedy stylings. Different comedy styles. But these foxes, you know, they were killing it. Along with those foxes, though, uh, there were 200 animatronics um, on this attraction, which is a lot. A lot. Yeah. And it's not quite the animatronics you're thinking of today. Think of Jungle Cruise and how, like, the hippo pops out and his mouth kind of moves. Yeah. Much more simple, but effective. Yeah. Um. So they had that. Now the train was going to start, and um, it would go through Beaver Valley where um, this little pond was. And you would go through where this pond part was. I'm going to guess that this is the pond where you could, you'd see little jumping fish. Hmm. Um, remind me to get back to those jumping fish, Will. I will not. Dang it. <laughs> uh, and you would see these beavers building a dam, working together, and then you would enter a tunnel 
where you were going to come to the rivers of America and you would see a small bridge go under this huge waterfall, which was called Cascade Peak. And this was a very big attraction. The, I just was going to say, this whole thing reminds me of um, Cars. Like with the, oh. with, the, with the peaks. And the, and that's my favorite part of Cars is I think we've talked about a couple of times is the atmosphere at the beginning and you go around. And it's like, oh, there's a the really beautiful waterfall. And then it's like, now we got to go fast. I It really is a perfect ride. Yeah. I, I give it to you. Yeah. Um, I see that. I get that. I think it reminds me of that as well. It, just the speed up short version you get it in and then you get you know yeah. some adrenaline 100 percent. this no adrenaline um but the whole thing was being narrated by dallas mckinnon who you might recognize because he still voices on big thunder mountain railroad oh cool so that wildest ride in the wilderness <laughs> okay. that's still him all right dallas so, yeah I see you. same voice he also did gumby Okay. He's Gumby and some other Walt Disney films, but I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, so he would be narrating the whole experience for you. And you, when you saw this big waterfall, it was a 75 foot waterfall, which is just under the height of Cinderella's or of Sleeping Beauty's castle. Just wild to me. Yeah. Um, though when I was listening to it, the narrator says stuff like, the golfers are whistling at the pretty girls. Can you blame them? And I was like, oh, no. Okay. And then, and then, like, right after, it's like, these two peaks are called the twin sisters because they're always babbling. And it. Comedic stylings of Mark Davis. It just, it just keeps going. There's you can like, see how he was a ladies' man. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of uh, jokes about women on this. And I was yeah. like, okay. Um, and as I like, I don't, you know. Hilarity, of course. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. But I did have to call that out. Um, that, the, no, I'm glad you did. That's very funny. <laughs> then the uh, train would go through bear country, which I love that, you know, we still have a bear country, quote unquote, um, as part of Disney. Um, back in the back there, you would see bears doing things like catching trout, napping, scratching themselves on trees. Like where they put their back up against it and go yeah, like this. And like, That's fun. Um, so very have you ever cute. seen a bear in real life? Not at a zoo? Yes. Um, when we were in Lake Tahoe, oh, yeah, they weren't messing around. They wanted yeah. that trash. Yeah. Um, my brother, quick story about bears. So when we were very little, um, I think we were at Lake Tahoe, and my youngest brother was in, you know, had to be carried. And then me and my other brother were able to walk. But we were young, and um, he was, you know, just kind of being able to walk. And so in order to make our hike go faster, when we were up in Lake Tahoe, my parents were like, okay, Brian, like, you have to hurry because the bears, the bears come out at night. You got, they're going to come get you, so you got to hurry. So then um, we get back to Georgia, and my dad went out to take the trash out. And my brother, like, has a hysterical crying fit and is screaming, like, dad, no, no, you can't go outside. You can't go outside. And my parents are like, oh, my God, Brian, like, what's going on? Like, what happened? He's like, the bears. <laughs> it's dark outside. The bears are coming. Ah, <laughs> uh, kids. I know. I believe anything you tell them. It's so precious. Know, what idiots. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm kidding. Get out of here. I'm kidding, Brian. So the new version of the attraction, you go, okay, so we're at the bears, the very important <laughs> bears. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you... Um, they would see more animals and there's like bobcats and stuff. And then you were back into the living desert where you'd go under the pack mule bridge. Um, you would pretty much see the same thing that was part of the living desert before. Um, but it was expanded. So you would kind of go closer to where the other train was. Gotta have all our trains. Um, so where the Disneyland Railroad would go. 
they would kind of almost get close. And then you would go around these geysers and colorful mud pots. And um, it looked really pretty. I'm um, sure. Very nice, very relaxing. And uh, then you would end up back in the rainbow caverns that I described before. And before you return to the station. So they expanded it a lot. Um, it was supposed to be super cool. And this this became Walt's favorite attraction. Nicely done, Mark. Yeah. And maybe that's why he had so much pride in it and was so yeah. mad at Tony Baxter. But like when Walt would have VIP guests come, he, he kind of had like this tradition, I guess. He would take them first to the Golden Horseshoe. Um, and which we talked about. Is that about. a restaurant? It's a restaurant. It has like a show. Like they have like oh, musicians yeah, yeah. and stuff. Okay. And then if you recall that we talked about in our Club 33 episode, like he had like his own, you know, secret drinks there. Oh, okay. After hours, he yeah. would, you know, have people come back there and have some spirits. Um, and not the kind in the haunted mansion. <laughs> um, and then he would take them on this ride. Gotcha. Like that was his thing. That's how he showed them Disneyland. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it makes sense. I put a lot of, put the equivalent of $16 million into it. So like, uh, it makes sense. I mean, it feels like it was very like atmospheric. And then I think you also probably get the, the rainbow caverns, you get a little bit of the, like, look at the technology we, we were able to create. There's all right. six colors of the rainbow. <laughs> Because at this time, there's only <laughs> six. Um, yeah, oh, that's yeah. cool. It was really special. Seems fun. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think, you know, Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland closed January 2nd, 1977. So it had a pretty long life there. Yeah. Uh, but I can see by that time, people might start to find this dated, maybe not as interesting. And then two years later, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad opened. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a necessary upgrade. I do too. I, I I think it also like when we talked about this a little bit in the first Big Thunder episode, um, where I think like you know the inspiration for a lot of this Frontierland came from you know Americana wanting yearning for adventure. I think and 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 the adventure that they experienced and that they expected was this adventure out into the Wild West. They looked backwards, and then I think in the seventies people started to look forward towards the future, and so. You know, I think the big immersive frontier land started to feel like, as you said, pretty dated as people were also like, but have you heard of the Star Wars? That mm. seems so cool. Right. And so like, all right, well, we don't want to get completely rid of this, but we need to be more thrilling. So let's put it in a, an actual roller coaster Yeah. And, while we focus on kind of the other things that people are thinking about. Well, if you recall, part of the reason that this was delayed a little bit was because of Space Mountain. Like yeah. Space Mountain was such a huge hit. I mean, they really pushed Tomorrowland. And I have to say for a long time, I couldn't explain why. Anytime I would go to Magic Kingdom or Disneyland, I always went to Tomorrowland first. Hmm. I don't I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But I used to. It was like I oh, that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. And so I do think as like time changes, people, you know, their interests change. And I, I can see that. I also think if this were around today, it would be like a jungle cruise where you have to put humor into it. Beyond disagreeing foxes. Yes, exactly. And um, I think you don't need more than one of those, though I do like having one. I love jungle cruise. I love the corny humor. It's one of my favorites. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with it. Um, but with that said, like I don't think you would need a huge section of your park taken up by this right now. But it sounds, it sounds beautiful and wonderful and relaxing. Yeah, I agree. I think the reason I like this attraction and loved learning about the history of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and where it came from and this huge longevity that it from beginning of a Minecraft, Minecraft, 
whoa, that's a product of the times, uh, a mineshaft train ride to Big Thunder. The theme was always there. The heart was mm-hmm. always there. And I, one of my favorite things to talk about is these Imagineers who put their heart and soul into it yeah. and so much work into it. And I love getting to discuss that. So I get really excited about attractions like this, though like I don't know if it would have been exciting to ride currently. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I think that that actually leads a little bit to what I think is so cool about this uh, as a companion piece, obviously, with Big Thunder. is like really detailing the entire journey as to where we got, because I do think it reflects, too, like the uh, state of theme parks and like what uh, what the public wanted at the time. Right. So we already talked about how they were yearning for this nostalgia piece, but also theme parks weren't big thrill ride things at that time. Right. right. So it was more experiential. And then as that became more of a thing it has adapted into to kind of become the things that people will go to theme parks for now. Well, in order to keep up uh, with the other theme parks, so it was like Disneyland was like kind of the cream of the crop. Everyone else is trying to catch up. That's why thrill rides became so big. Yeah. Because that was the only way they could compete with Disney. Interesting. So then Disney had to compete with that and bring the thrill rides in. So it, you know, everyone's building on each other. Iron sharpening iron. Exactly. It's pretty crazy. I think there are still pieces of this attraction, though, that you can find. I'm going to make a TikTok video about it. Um, This is my, the TikTok is It's Kelly Washington. So it is not Slice of Disney. It's mine. But Um, you throw them on the Slice of Disney Instagram, too. But I try to put them on the Instagram as well. Um, But, um, so some of the places where you can find them, and I'm a little nervous what I'm about to tell you doesn't exist anymore. And it's going to break my heart. Ooh. Oh, Brian's just going to be on this episode a lot because I'm, here's another story about him. So part one of the things that you can see is these jumping fish, these mm-hmm. trout. And it literally is like... I was trying not to remind you about it. Oh, that's so rude. He's Yeah, he's like ready to wrap up the episode. Oh my God, I was so ready to tell the story. I'm glad I found a way. Um, so there's like these fish that jump and there was one night my family was at Disneyland and um, and the other part that you can see is one of the tunnels, the tunnel that would lead you to Cascade Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like boarded up and you can see it. So in front of that is this, this pond with these jumping fish and it was dark outside and me and my brother got in the biggest argument. He said, these fish are real. They're not timed. No, those fish are real. I was like, literally, there's no way that water, fish are not surviving in there. Like, those are fake. Those are animatronics. He's like, why would they have animatronics there? When I tell you, it was a heat. I mean, it was like, there. someone might have thought a punch would have been thrown. I mean, it was a heated, heated argument. Come to find I was right. Wow. I'm really glad you found a way to get that story in. <laughs> also, did I mention that I'm the same Meyer Briggs thing as Walt Disney? So. <laughs> It's a great day, guys. Yeah, it's great. Um, Okay, so uh, to wrap this up, since it is, you know. There's more things I can tell you that still exist, like rocks. I believe you. Um, To wrap this up, again, uh, I don't think we can quite do the normal questions we typically do because it's not around anymore. And and, and I looked. I looked. No Disney on Yelp for uh, for this attraction. Dang it. Um, But I do think we can ask, like, would you, we've kind of talked about whether or not we think it still would fit. Would, Would you bring it back? With the understanding that there's limited space. So if you wanted to bring it back, even in some version, you're going to have to remove something. I think Big Thunder is the version bringing it back. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful idea. I love what it does. I, I do like educational stuff. So I like that aspect. But I do think Big Thunder is just a really wonderful, fantastic ride yeah. that is capturing that nostalgic 
but capturing the thrill that people need now. And so I just think it's developed. I think you're right. Hard, hard, hard to refute that. Uh, it would be cool if they could find a way to work in like the Rainbow Cavern, maybe into the queue yeah. line of Big Thunder or something. Um, although like that could mess up the story that you can't understand if you try to get on Big Thunder anyways. So <laughs> so I, I don't think it's necessary. I think it is cool to see and to hear about this evolution, but I definitely think they went, ended up going the right way. Um, yeah. Can I tell you more things that you could find? Uh, just go to my TikTok. He doesn't want to hear about my rocks. You can find rocks. You can find an, another cave. You used to be able to see one of the old trains, but not anymore. And obviously, part of Rainbow Ridge, the town, it's the buildings that you see as you're like about to go back um, to get off the ride on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is the higher up houses. So they're the ones that were like the smaller ones, not the five-eighths scale houses. Cool. I know. Isn't that cool? Um, so cool. Even though one of them says like the finest corn whiskey. And I'm always like, boo corn. <laughs> whiskey, you got me back around. So, um, okay. But that is that is going to do it, I think, for this episode. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Um, if you want more, uh, more context of it, you can check out Kelly's Instagram. Check out the Slice of Disney Instagram because we are trying to do more little video content stuff too. You can check out the YouTube channel. Um, and you can find most all of this stuff just at sliceofdisney.com. Sliceofdisney.com is going to be the hub for all of it, but you can also find us on Slice of Disney on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and then slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. We have a really fun episode we're going to do, actually record right after this one for our Patreon, Patreon exclusive, but it is uh, on like debunking and talking about myths and urban legends that are, that can be found in the parks. So we're excited to do that. I'm so excited to do that because I found something out while doing this that blew my mind and made me question everything. (laughs) Oh, what a tease. Great tease. It's not even on purpose. I know you didn't do it on purpose. I can tell it was genuine, but it was a good tease. Um, So yeah, Um, please check out our Patreon. Um, It means a lot that uh, we have these wonderful supporters and we would love for you to join our Slice of Disney family. Uh, it's really awesome. We're doing movie nights where we all get to hang out and watch movie together. So go check it out. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful week filled with all the magic in the world and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. <laughs>